0: Hello, hello, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another podcast of This Guy Edits with my friend Tyler. Tyler, how's your day? Hi, I'm good, Sven. What is this podcast? This is a podcast where we talk about films and the editing of specific scenes. Most of the time, these films are iconic and we look at some really amazing art. This time, we're looking at National Lampoon's European Vacation. And that's art in its own. And I really, I'm really excited because this film means a lot to me. Because I sort of watched it when I first visited America, and saw it on HBO repeatedly. But you came from Europe to and saw it here. I know. It seems like it's just the, the irony you would see would be delicious. vacation, vacation. Yeah, no, I had an American vacation, and all I did was basically jump from the pool to watching a rerun on HBO of this movie, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it used to,
1: yeah, that used to be the thing, watching HBO over and over again. I don't know, the world's changing, Sven. One thing that's keeping it from changing too much is having access to great films on Filmstruck, which is no longer going to be available as of the 26th. I don't know if you heard. Did you hear that? I did. But good news, maybe not good news, but uh, but news that we can... Make noise about is there is a change dot org petition I signed it moments ago. It needs thirty five thousand signatures. I don't know for what purpose. It had thirty four thousand five hundred and sixty two when I signed it. So we urge all listeners that use FilmStruck to sign the petition. Who knows what will come of it? Nice. Something I hope. Is there a deadline or you ASAP. know? Asap. Asap. I don't know at the top of my
0: head yet. Don't waste. Just do it now. Yes, I will. And subscribe to this podcast. Exactly. Also, when you subscribe to this this podcast, somebody asked me, because I keep tweeting the link, and it's to iTunes, and they were like, I don't have Apple. Can I listen to this podcast anyway? And the answer is, yes, you can, because it's on Spotify and on Stitcher or any other platform that you might use with your Android phone. We uh, don't discriminate. Yeah, and I like
1: Stitcher a lot. It's great because you can
0: share from specific moments and
1: stuff like that, which is a lot of fun.
0: Oh, cool. I was yeah. at PatriCon the last couple of days over the weekend, and that is a convention for creators that are on Patreon. Tyler asked me what Patreon is. What's Patreon, Sven? Sorry, I was looking at the Patreon. What would you say? <laughs> <laughs> Patreon is a platform that helps artists get more connected with their fans, and actually get sustainable income. And I've been a member on that for a year and a half, and you've recently become a member there. That's right. It's a really cool platform because it's actually started by somebody who is an artist, who is a creator, Jack Conti. And it's very transparent, the way that they deal with that relationship, the relationship between the artist and their supporters. It's actually unlike any other platform where for example youtube we don't really have a direct relationship even if you subscribe to me if youtube goes away uh, that relationship goes away and there's not a whole lot you can do and the same is with facebook or twitter it's really in the hands of the platform they own that relationship and with patreon it's not that way it's really they get out of the way i can email anyone that is a member and we can have a direct dialogue and that is very, very transparent and I love that way. And so I was happy to spend two days there and I did a seminar about podcasts. And I Ooh, thought, hey, this something. is a podcast. Yeah, because I wanted to learn how to do a podcast, and um, <laughs> they had some fun facts that I could share here if you're interested. Guess how many? I am. I am. Guess how many active podcasts there are in 2018? Uh, 2018? Yes. No, that was my guess. Oh, oh, sorry. No, it's a little more. It's, <laughs> I'm guessing I'm wrong. Yeah, it's 525,000 active podcasts as of 2018. 44% of the U.S. population have listened to podcasts. <laughs> okay. How uh, much the percentage has a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> How many people? Every second person. <laughs> but, right. That's um, amazing. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. There's some really popular ones that they presented. Have you heard about See Jurassic Right? What's that? It's a podcast just about the movie Jurassic Park. And it's been going oh, on well, for years. Surprisingly, surprisingly, no, because we encapsulated it all in one episode. <laughs> in one podcast. episode. There's a podcast called The Pur Cats or The Pur Cast. It's all about interviewing people who own cats. Okay. It's cool, huh? Yeah. I mean, do they re-edit episodes? So it sounds like people are abusing their cats? Is that just <laughs> something we do? They, there's always a connection somehow. So I, I you should know about this, right? You should be listening to that. I have a cat. I'm good with that. Like he, the time
1: I have goes to the actual relationship.
0: Yeah. So anyways, so there was a gentleman there that talked about he's producing, I think he's producing a total of five or six podcasts every week with different people and he was sort of sharing some tips on how to do it and it actually really helped me understand more that it is not something like a really polished product where you really need to make sure that every um and r is being taken out that actually the fact that it's more conversational and you're sort of just in the spur of the moment i having this conversation that that's actually the charm of it and it made me be a little bit more re- relaxed about our own podcast so i think it
1: makes me think this guy wasn't a professional editor like the this guy edits podcast proudly features exactly believe me no one wants it to have requires editing than than yours truly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that bad, honestly. Yeah. It's always funny to edit it and then because it's always like at the end of editing it, it's like, Oh God, what is wrong with us? But then when you listen to it with all of the oh god removed, <laughs> it's it's I'm like always impressed by the podcast the next morning. It's like, Yeah, hey, it's pretty fucking good.
0: Yeah, I agree. I What's actually it's uh it's pretty cool because most of the time we're actually talking about scenes and discover some interesting things as we're going along watching it and it's all happening sort of in the moment we're not really thinking about it all that much i mean i do some research you do some research but i don't really do I? think about the scene all that much it's more like okay how do we set the scene and talk about right. what what happened so give
1: like, us an example
0: for example like, like for european vacation <laughs> european vacation that's a movie and I did not know who the director was. Did you? Do you know who directed European Vacation? Is it David Zucker? No. Um, it was written by John Hughes. Okay. Makes but not sense. directed. Not the first one. Um, Amy Heckling directed oh, this one. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah
0: wow what a first job yes well i i think it might have been her second job i think her first job was fast times at richmond high right which is an
1: oh goodness
0: awesome wow movie okay
1: that we should yeah i would have thought this preceded that but that makes a lot of sense that she would get handed this after
0: knocking that out of the park yeah and she is a fellow afi student or alumni And worked really hard on her student film at AFI. She actually didn't finish. She graduated and then kept working at it overnight. And that film did very well afterwards in the festival circuit. And she almost already got hired from right from the get-go by a studio. But she didn't have an agent so she needed to find an agent to get her first job, but that all worked out. And she sort of, something happened to her as well as she, um, she got into a car accident and was in the hospital mm-hmm. for a while. And that really changed her life in the sense that she felt like, okay, she really needs to be on a mission. And there's another filmmaker who had a very similar experience like that, which is George Lucas. Who survived right. a car accident and after that sort of really turned from a slacker into like just a very determined filmmaker? Well, there's another
1: one who I guess actually is a filmmaker, uh, Louis C.K. was doing great with his stand-up comedy career was first time he had tons of money just starting out of course but it was the first time things started to come together and got in this horrible motorcycle accident and then all of it kind of started to go away all the comedy stuff and he realized he needed to do something else and uh, became a sexual pervert Uh, but he also started
0: making his short films and stuff so if your career is not going well maybe maybe it's because he didn't get into a car accident no, it just shows there's, you know, there's different ways to find
1: motivation, I think. And sometimes people going through really tough things, and you see this all the time. Sometimes it can generate really good art. For example, J.R.R. R. Tolkien survived World War One. He was in World War I, and a lot of that influenced uh, Lord of the Rings. J.D. Salinger, World War Two. I mean oftentimes people going through horrible things have stuff to pull through to generate content. So we're not saying go out and crash your car. We're saying bad things happen to everybody, but sometimes those can give you power to make great stuff out of them.
0: Yeah, it definitely puts a different perspective on things sometimes. And sometimes that comes from something else, obviously. So, uh,
1: and also going to AFI helps.
0: (laughs) Maybe. Um, (laughs) Not everybody that went to AFI is obviously a working filmmaker, and, but it does, it does help. Okay, so the film was made in 1985. It's the second film in National Lampoon's Vacation film series. It stars Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo, Dana Hill, and Jason Lively. So the kids are a different cast than the original Anthony Michael Hall dropped out because he wanted to shoot another film called Weird Science, which is another amazing film. And because of that, the producers decided to recast both children. The film is the only installment in the series in which the family's name is spelled Griswold with an A instead of an O. (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact. So the plot basically is they win um, a contest, a game show, and then they get an all-expensive paid trip to Europe. And it becomes this whirlwind tour of all the different countries. And it's basically just a setup to have all these slapstick kind of situations. They go through, and one of them being Stonehenge, which is the scene we're going to be talking about.
1: And I should also add another important uh, contributor to European Vacation is J. Herring Pembroke, the editor of the film, who also edited Vacation. Did not come back for any others after that, so did not do the infamous Christmas Vacation, but he did do Groundhog Day. He did Out of Africa right after this. The same year as this, he did Out of Africa. He also did Multiplicity with Michael Keaton, notable mention just because there were multiple Michael Keatons in that film. He did Sister Act, Ghost Dad, and he also did started his career the second thing he worked on after tv the first film he worked on was *Tora torah Tora*. if wow. you can
0: believe that wow so anyways that's the editor very cool before we get into the scene i also wanted to mention that the film opened in july 26 1985 the critics were not thrilled about the film they say director amy Hecklin gets carried away with physical humor while letting her american tours grow tiresome and predictable Structurally, the film unfolds like a series of travel brochures. Uh, why blame her and not blame John Hughes? Yeah, well, different times,
1: maybe. Boy, were they not going to like the uh, the uh, the ones that came after? Uh, Michael yes. C. Hall could have been in, or not Michael C. Hall, Michael a- Anthony C. Hall. H- oh, Anthony Michael Hall. He could have. He could have played Ed Helms's part in the in the recent reboot. True. And Harold Ramis did the original, of course, so he set the template. Nice. And the most recent one was written by the writers of the new, written and directed by the writers of uh, the new uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming.
0: Wow. Okay. So I've, I kind of, you wanted to do a different scene. You wanted to do the roundabout, but I, I sort of got really carried away with the scene when I saw it about Stonehenge. Yeah. I ended up watching like a one-hour documentary, National Geographic, about Stonehenge. So this might oh, be God. more about <laughs> actually that than the editing. But why don't we get started with the scene and then see what happens? How do we do this usually, Tyler? So,
1: Sven, what we typically do is we will count down and we will, we will count down and instead of one, you will hear the click of the mouse along with the word one uh, along with the word click at which point the YouTube clip will begin playing that hopefully will play in all regions we had a little bit of an issue with that last week with the city of god which I still can't get off of myself in the shower but we thankfully have Dennis who's a wonderful contributor to the podcast makes these great videos to go with them so sometimes you can see those to accompany it and you will click play on the YouTube link, which will be available everywhere that this podcast is available and posted. And we will comment on it, explain what's going on, and then go back and analyze it with specific time code for specific moments
0: and talk a lot about Stonehenge. Nice. Nice. And Dennis actually emailed me. He's actually right now flying from Russia to Costa Rica. And he said he would be cutting the last episode on the plane. So... Hopefully by wow, the time yeah, we're ends.
1: recording at a weird time this week. So thank you, Dennis. That's really cool that he is Intercontinental Editor. Exactly. All right, with that, let's here we go. Let's go for it.
0: Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Three, two... Yes. Hold on, I, I'm not there. Hold oh, sorry. On. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, okay. On. let's start again. I have to skip an ad. Okay, here we go. In three, two... Yeah, this country's eons old, kids. That's centuries to you and me. Charming, so, this is like a white shot of them driving through the countryside. We're cutting into the house, to, uh, into the car to Chevy Chase. And he's setting up that they're about to see this amazing sight.
1: We get this <laughs> nice shot
0: of Stonehenge. This is probably the real Stonehenge, that Pro- shot. I yes. Feel like. That might be the only shot that's real. Everything else yeah. is so a, at the end. Uh, yeah. So they're in At the, the end. I realized how not real it is. They're on the side, and they're standing right in the middle of Stonehenge, which I believe you can't do anymore. I don't know if you were able to do that in the '80s. And they just talk right. about <laughs> speculating what this is for. Is this like a, a t- time machine? Uh, um, some astro astrological what? device? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, stand over there. <laughs> Mention all kinds of things, but. It's neither one of them, I can tell you later. Um, really? Yes. I I thought everything was covered well in this in this clip and you're saying there's more to what you learned. Huh. Oh we'll my see. god, yes, you don't even know. So anyway, right I mean
1: honey.
0: They're just sort of ooing and awing over the site and then they walk off, they go back in. That's sort of how my dad likes to do vacations as well. We just like we drive by, get out of the car for two minutes, take a photo and then we go back and drive another ten hours to <laughs> the next side. Um, mm. Or jump in the pool and watch HBO. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so here's s- the
1: big patent speech. S- slow push Although in. There's no push in.
0: <laughs> and Patton building up the importance of future generations yeah. and heritage. Nowadays, you probably know what's going to happen because we're so familiar with the setup, even if you haven't seen the movie. He drives backwards right. into the Stonehenge thing and the rocks fall over just like dominoes.
1: Well, and I don't
0: think it's a nowadays thing, but we'll talk about that. Notice, and, uh, notice the like shape of Stonehenge right here. We can talk about that. Like how they <laughs> are lined Was up. Is this your
1: documentary? Yes. Was that in your documentary when they knocked it over? So real quick, just to comment on your um, probably expect it. That's kind of how, I, I mean, at the time... It worked as well because that's how comedy works: is you set up the expectation and and pay it off. And so, if they didn't knock Stonehenge over, good heavens, that would be a disappointing scene.
0: Yeah, well, comedy more always sort of would be good too. But yeah, I mean, you you you're setting up things clearly in comedy, but then you you resolve them in a way that it's somewhat unexpected, and the humor comes from yes. that, right? So you you have yeah. expectations, and yeah. I would think the audience nowadays wouldn't be as surprised about the payoff than back in the 80s where that still sort of felt I th- very fresh. I
1: think if Heckerling wasn't mailing it in like they said that this could have been
0: something more clever could have happened. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the 80s I thought it was hilarious. Like, I thought this was the greatest. <laughs> right. uh, and now it's not funny at all. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I had a hard time watching the scenes and being like really, okay, is there something really special here? I thought this one still has something there, and maybe we can go into the detail, just the editing itself. So why don't we go back? Yeah.
1: Well, the roundabout scene had the, – the thing that got me was that it becomes nighttime
0: because we all know and get what's happening, but then it's nighttime and they're still doing it. Right. But that's neither here nor there. Which, yeah, I mean that's an interesting concept that they, like, they keep pushing this idea of they can't leave the roundabout. So they're just going in circles and circles and circles. So it basically becomes a running gag or a tag where they just keep pushing it further and further into the ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And that's how comedy often example. works. You have a setup. Yeah. You have the payoff. And then if you can think of a really funny tag, you just keep pushing it. If you can think of three ways to make it even more ridiculous, you just add them onto it until you run out of things that are funny.
1: And so let's break this one down, Sven.
0: Yes. So I, I mean I don't think I notice anything like radically revolutionary about the editing itself. I think it's pretty standard, but what's what works really well is I think you're really engaged in the story and each beat is like a little skit and works yeah. really, really well in terms of the setup and the payoff.
1: And it's also interestingly enough, I feel like this scene is paying off a lot of jokes that are set up earlier. Yeah. And I think if it had that extra button that we're looking for, that unexpected thing, it's almost like Stonehenge, you know, the final stone would have to, you know, catch
0: and rip the dress off the Queen of England or something like that. All right. Oh, I didn't notice that he's wearing a Wally's World sweater. <laughs> That's the first time I'm noticing that, which is in reference oh. to the first one, right? Yes. It's cursed. So what else about this? <laughs> I'm just watching along here. Um, Pretty standard um, coverage, I would think. Very well done. I think Amy Hackling is a very good storyteller, obviously. I can tell you that the the set is a 75% replica, so it's a little smaller than the original. Hmm. And it was shot very close to the original. They originally intended to shoot there, and they didn't get permission, so then they had to sort of wing it. Yeah, well, what did they fucking expect? They're knocking Stonehenge over. (laughs) Like, what was their plan? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was the (laughs) 80s, so I'm thinking that maybe at the time you were allowed to actually walk around there, which now, from what I can tell, it looks like it's fenced off. You definitely cannot park that close.
1: Right. Well, in terms of winging it also, I can't help but wonder... I mean, they must have had this replica built because that was
0: clearly something that was planned, that they were going to knock it over at some point. Yes, yes. But that seems to be like a miniature model, right?
1: Well, I mean, what what's this stuff around it? This stuff,
0: when they first knock it over, that seems... Uh, That's like two of those monoliths. Right. And you think the rest of it's real? No way. No, the rest of it is uh, just a miniature model. That's what I'm thinking. So this one is... I'm sorry. I'm at 154 when he knocks over the first one.
1: Mm-hmm. You're saying that's miniature behind it with forced perspective. No,
0: no, they built the whole set. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think then every other shot that we see that should be just a miniature, right? Because you don't see any people in it. You would be seeing people if right. this if they would have done this for real. Yeah. Boom, and you can see like the the styrofoam <laughs> break. At oh wow!
1: 10. Yeah, at 210, it's totally styrofoam. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, funny.
0: It's cool, and also the arrangement, the way that they are arranged. They're sort of in a snail pattern, so you have that domino effect. The real Stonehenge is circular, so it wouldn't actually (laughs) work that way. Wow, The the sequel effect. This movie just feels so mailed in,
1: and then Chase is just dumping energy into it. But it had a couple endearing great
0: moments, I feel like. Yes, yes. So now that we talked about the filmmaking, let me ask you a couple of questions. So, what do you think this is? Oh, like Stonehenge? Don't think Stonehenge is yes. What's, what's I think the that deal it, with it is reflective of the of the uh,
1: stadium type stadium type governmental uh, establishment of some sort of government and uh, a place of gathering and yes. voicing opinion, uh, as evidenced in similar. Uh, similar structures in Iceland, but what do I know?
0: Yeah, I, I, from what I... And who knows? I've just watched this one documentary and their theory is that it's uh, definitely a place of worship, so not of gov- government. And mm-hmm. there are actually two sides to this. So this is actually worshipping the um, the dead, the afterlife, mm-hmm. and two miles down the field, there's actually another one of these uh, hinges or circular spaces that was actually wooden poles sticking up in the air. And that was the, the place of life. And they were all connected and they were aligned in a way that on the day, that in the summer when it is the longest daylight, that the sun would actually rise and fall through the gates of these two places. So they were aligned in a straight line with the sun, that it would rise on one side through the gate and then come down on the other side. And then on the shortest, shortest day, it would do the reverse. And hmm. they built that to honor their ancestor, ancestors. And they would actually mm-hmm. come twice a year and camp out on the other side and then walk over to this side during the day or whatever to, to do the celebration and the honoring. And the reason Hmm. why this site was chosen is because there's actually a rock formation that is leading that line towards the sun underneath the soil that they must have seen back then. Um, Right. That sort of gave them the indication that this must be a really holy site. And that's how they picked this out and and created this whole architecture around it. And this was 3,000 years before Christ. Up to two thousand years before Christ, there were some changes there, like they moved rocks around and stuff. Hey, Clark Griswold says two thousand years. He did, but I think it started in th- three thousand years before Christ. And actually, some of the the rocks were actually down by the river, and they were moved five hundred years later. That's right. a, That's sort of what I remember from that documentary.
1: And I mean, how they moved it's all like an impressive feat, also. Yes, I mean, nobody really knows how thing.
0: they did it, but they were able to to simulate how they could have done it. With like, they created small right. rolling balls, like like little bowling balls almost, and a track mm-hmm. system, and were able to move one of those big ones that's like forty tons heavy, and then figured yeah. out a way how they can also lift it up. And they go pretty deep into the ground. Actually, it's actually they, right. they not they, according to what I'm looking at it two thirteen. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, um, because of the earthworm activity in the soil, they actually, it looks as if they're sinking into the ground and eventually will be totally covered up because hmm. they they create more soil that just builds up and builds up. So they're not sinking, but it creates the effect as if they were sinking by the, by the hmm. activity. So since that has been done, they're, they're already several feet deeper than they originally were.
1: Yeah, and apparently there's like infrared scans that can show that they were dragged. I guess at some point there was a debate whether Stonehenge, like whether it was just there or if people built it. It's like, huh, uh, I don't know much, but it looks like someone built it. Yeah, I would assume so. Well, anyways, that's fascinating. And then that has to do with editing...
0: What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I just... That's, I mean, that's part of this podcast, right? You sort of you get curious about something, and you just start digging, and that's that's what I like about what we're doing is like we're hopefully inspiring listeners to be curious about stuff and start start digging. Yeah, a little. and I think that yeah, and that attitude's good
1: for editing, also because you. I mean, how many times have you had something that by you going back into the footage and looking at something a new way and kind of having that drive. That methodic
0: kind of approach, I mean, how well has that served you with, with so many projects? Yeah, for m- most of the scenes that really, I feel like they're my better work, I feel like it's always a hunch, a curiosity that drove that scene. It's not because there's something really planned out beforehand. It just happens.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I noticed with editors, myself included, and you it's like we just can't stop. You know, like there's that mentality of, you know, there's type, some type of people where it's like, oh, no, I need to get this right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it work. I'm, I'm just not going to stop. Because otherwise, why would we do this job? It's yeah. crazy.
0: Like <laughs> editing a movie is an act of insanity. Yeah. And the fact that we enjoy it, that's super scary. And in a way, that's the definition so. of having a point of view, I think. It's like you're having a hunch, you're having an instinct, and you're just following it through. And you're like, okay, let me just drive this all the way through. And then see if the director might like it. Right. <laughs> and more often than not, it, it it then stays in the film, surprisingly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of films, sign up for Filmstruck if you like good films. My goodness. Well, don't sign up because you can't. But sign that petition. Who knows? I mean, maybe something better will come about. But I, it just doesn't seem like the big companies that own these movies have any interest whatsoever in preserving them. They own the content. They don't give half a shit if anybody sees it. So if you're a film lover, you, you, love is a verb. Love those movies. Filmstruck is uh, it's, it's worth making some
0: noise about with a huge petition whether anything happens or not. So do that. Yeah, there was a great article on IndieWire that sort of highlighted some of the films that they have in the library, and they recommended before it's going to go away, watch these twenty films. And I think that's a great idea to to catch those while they're still there. Yeah, uh, it's making me rethink the movies we did this month.
1: We should have been doing film star ones, but what are you going to do? You know, we did one in yeah. the mood for love. Maybe, this, maybe we did two. Um, Tell us your favorite Filmstruck movie Get in the conversation on YouTube or Patreon Leave a comment with your favorite Filmstruck film Make some noise, let us know We're going to pick one for our big November finale We're going to do movies only from Filmstruck So if it's not on there Maybe we'll even drive people directly to Filmstruck Sven will do our Stonehenge, the Forgotten Monument, where we we will do a movie next week, watching a scene on Filmstruck, and then people will find the podcast and wonder, what is this relic? What was it? Who made it? Where did it come from? When they have no clip to accompany it with, and that'll
0: be our farewell to Filmstruck. Nice, nice. I love it. Let's do that. (laughs) No YouTube. I also wanted to point out, if you're ever confused about finding the podcast or finding these YouTube clips... I created a link called ThisGuyEdits.com slash podcast, and that'll show you all the different platforms that the podcast is on. So Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, all those things, they're all on there, and you can either see them right there on that player on the website, or you can go on your phone and subscribe with your favorite platform
1: nice i'm looking at it right now it's great you can email a friend which is what we need tell a friend about the podcast let people know so hit subscription buttons everywhere on every app and tell your friends to go to go to change.org and sign that filmstruck petition as well and vote last week is will be too late um <laughs> any, <laughs> but thank you to curter for the music and as sven always says happy editing shows about tweakers there's no same zone so put
0: your head between the speakers there's no same zone so
1: put your head between the speakers sven we'll do our fun s- we'll d- we'll uh, sven
0: we'll do our stonehenge
1: was there anything else we wanted to sneak in there
0: just uh maybe repeat one more time this guy edits.com slash podcast
1: <laughs> well you just did in the bloopers and no this is great i'm looking at it right now awesome I dig it